1: Pass, shoot score. I'm a little tired today, guys, and I'm not even I can't complain because y'all are on East Coast time. How exhausted <laughs> yeah. are you guys?
0: Oh no, did you ever <laughs> sleep at midnight? <laughs> like, seriously, like I, I feel uh, like I've got, yeah, I did. Like, no, it. I feel like I've got absolutely like no energy, and I'm like drag. I feel like I'm dragging a camel down uh, across the land right now, like with mm-hmm. with literally on nothing. <laughs> what time did you guys go to sleep? Like, I probably went to bed. Morning. What time did you guys? Yeah, end up like three a.m. Three a.m. Yeah, close. To 3 I haven't m. had a coffee
2: yet either. So for me, I'm just just trying to get my yeah,
0: first coffee I- of the day. I haven't even eaten yet, Johnny. So, like, oh, I y'all. combined with the lack of caffeine and the lack of food, it's not like a combination. <laughs> yeah, I've never, I've honestly never heard your voice this mellow, Shukri. I kind of like it though. It's very peaceful. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Listen, like, my voice is not usually like this, this mellow. I'm not trying to pull off a bear right impersonation, although I could, but like, seriously, like, like, in terms of last night, I, I'm not, I BS you not, like, I fell asleep. Um. Like after I tuned in, and I don't, and I remember like waking up thinking, "Oh man, I missed I missed the rest of the game," and then I woke up, I see the that there's hockey being played. I'm like, "Well, TNT must be running like a replay, (laughs) like sometimes it would do for the NBA on TNT," and and I and I look closely. Third overtime, I'm like, "Pardon, they're still (laughs) playing," Mm. and then there was the photo of that woman that was behind Keith Jones that I sent to, sent to you guys in the group chat and I'm like yo that woman was legitimately knocked out at one point like it was, just, <laughs> yeah. it was the most funniest thing you could have seen yeah that was uh that was, were, was epic there are so I... many
1: memes going around was... no you're going go ahead my is so that we might be talking over each other today so just bear with us everybody but i love all the memes uh, all the people like in the cane stadium and i saw so many people like doing smelling salts for god knows what and i was like oh, okay we're keeping it going and we're
2: like, damn y'all yeah i mean kudos to the hurricanes fans like they were standing on their feet like throughout the entire you know four overtimes yeah. like the place looked pretty packed like you know for anyone who said i mean everyone i think is on the same page that carolina has a great fan base but for anyone who is saying like no one cares about this series because it's the Panthers versus the Canes like I think they proved everyone wrong last night you know I think that was honestly like the best case scenario for game one like have this be something that's talked about for a long time right like that was I think the seventh or sixth longest game in NHL history um so I don't think you can ask for a better game one if you're you know both fan bases and just the NHL overall because now everyone's up talking about it right like we were all going through that yeah. together. Like whether you're a hockey fan in New York, or you're a hockey fan in California, like everyone was up watching it. So um, yeah, it was it was a blast. And then, you know, obviously we're ten seconds away from from a fifth overtime and Matthew Kachuk, who else but Matthew Kachuk to end it. I mean, I was I was pretty thrilled because I was gonna order Taco Bell at that point. I was starving. Um, but yeah, I mean, what a
0: what a game and what a finish. I love the walk off. You know what's you know what's funny, Johnny? Um I tweeted this out. Last night, I also mentioned in the, in the group chat that last night's game reminded me a lot of three years ago during the pandemic in the bubble game one between Columbus and the Lightning, five overtimes, mm-hmm. and it and it was just only three short years ago, but it feels longer than that. And this game had that type of vibe in terms of just, except that that game started during the day, it was actually yeah. an, a, like a, like afternoon start. This one was like it was like an 8 p.m. pug drop, so you starting late at night, like l- later in the day. And then it carries through the night, and it's just like, yo, oh my gosh, like someone please in this game. I was with Wayne Gretzky when he said, like, please, someone, someone please score. And <laughs> and as you mentioned, Johnny, like you couldn't have nailed, you could have nailed it any better. Like who else but like, who else but Matthew Kachuk? I mean, mm-hmm. and I I literally was like, thank you, Matthew Kachuk. I can't believe the freaking 360 I've made from absolutely blasting <laughs> yeah. the guy in round one against the Bruins to now actually thinking him at the end of a of a four overtime game, game one of the Eastern Conference final. I'm just like, this morning, I God bless you, Anna. Seriously, because you are you are an absolute rocks for being patient with both <laughs> me, me and Johnny. Cause we're we are literally lagging ass. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, no food and no caffeine in Johnny. Like, <laughs> no food in me, no food, no caffeine in Johnny. So this game no was a classic. Yeah. So we're we're in the same boat. So why I intermittent also, fast. <laughs> 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 there's no listen, there's no intermittent fasting over here but but but, like, but 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 seriously like it's here we are doing this this podcast on a Friday morning and it's just like yo, come on man. We we ready. We ready but man what a start to game one. What a start to the series, seriously. Mhm.
1: Okay, so the NHLPR account was going crazy last night. So it wrote down. I got up at six thirty and today it's seven thirty. So I got, my I got my coffee. Got my little perfect bar. So we're 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 hanging on. But you mentioned it um, it's the longest overtime game in NHL history as his first place are concerned, seventy-nine minutes and forty-seven seconds. If Matthew Kajuk gets one more overtime winning goal. He will have most by any skater in a playoff year in NHL history. Most time on ice in a playoff game, Florida Panthers' Brandon Montour broke top 10 with 57 minutes and 27 seconds. <laughs> uh, the Panthers have the second longest road win streak in a single postseason with seven. The only other team that has more are the 12 L.A. Kings. Not that I'm a Kings person, but it's more that they won the Stanley Cup that year with 10 road wins. Uh, Sergei Bobrov- Bobrovsky broke top 10 of all time on overtime saves in a game with 63. He also is the third goaltender ever to record 50-plus saves in consecutive playoff games. Had 50-plus saves in the Game 5 at Toronto. And then Seth Jarvis, the Carolina Hurricanes Young became second ever to have most goals in a playoff year by a player age 21 or younger, with five. And the only player that he's behind is Florida Panthers, Eric Stahl, who got nine in 2006. I think that's kind of cool because now we're playing against each other. So that is what we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven records that were broken last night with this game. And I guess the only question we can ask is where do we go after game one of the Eastern Conference Finals notching four overtimes and playing what was 79 minutes of hockey? How do you recover and turn around for game two? What can we expect for the rest of this series?
0: Five overtimes in game two. That's the only way. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) I, uh, you guys know
2: I'm a huge fan of first period unders and I would say the first period under in game two is certainly looking pretty good because both teams are obviously going to be very sluggish. The goal, the goaltenders might be a little bit slower, but, um, you know, I've, I've never played in a game that went past two overtime, so I can't imagine playing four. Um, but yeah, I, I think, listen, this series is going to be so much more predictable than the Western conference final. Like these two teams play such a similar style of five on five. Like, you know, you kind of watched it last night. The Panthers scored their overtime goal off the four check. You know, Carolina actually scored both their goals in the power play, which is a little bit uncharacteristic. I would say they're more of a five on five team. Surprising when it comes to scoring. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, I was, I was super wrong. I actually said the difference in this game was Carolina's power play scored and Florida's didn't, but it ended up being, you know, the three five on five goals from the Panthers that ended up being the difference. But, I I think if there's one team that can take Florida's game or take Carolina's game and shove it to them, it's the Florida Panthers. So like, you know, I I think out of any team, Carolina probably wouldn't have wanted to face Florida and, you know, Florida, obviously the biggest underdog and now they're here. And I mean,
0: who's down them at this point, you know, like it's crazy. You know, it's funny, um, Johnny, I'm with you. Like I said it on this podcast that the Florida Panthers are a team that resembles death by a thousand cuts in terms of hockey last <laughs> night, the, the my biggest takeaway, and I'm glad I didn't listen Anna, um, but last night I thought as I was watching in, in overtime, that this was a team that really resembles an Anaconda. They'll slowly wrap its body around your neck and then they'll slowly squeeze it. It's not, not a quick squeeze. It's just, it's slowly because it just seemed like whenever Carolina had like had 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 a bit of a buzz in, in Florida's end, Florida was like, "We're not. We we may bend slightly, but we're not going to buckle." And and, and I got to give credit to um to, to Brandon Montour and the, the entire blue line for um for, for Florida last night in which that they did not waver from their structure. And when you get later into these games it becomes so easy to say you know what we're just going to we're just going to break away from the structure you know try to join the rush when you really shouldn't but but florida was like nah we're just we're going to just wait patiently and i think it just became a game of chess who is going to call checkmate first and florida I mean, I don't know what else can you say. Like you, you want them to beat you on five on five. They can beat you five on five. It, it, you want you want them to play well in a power play. They can play well in a power play. But I think the number one reason why that Florida won last night, in my opinion, I think is definitely the um, the defenseman core as a whole as a group because the way that they defended in front of Circuit Bobrovsky, although Bobrovsky made um, like six yeah, he was saves. incredible. He was incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, my goodness, and and it just it just reminded me of who would you want to be and what side would you rather be on in baseball terms on a one in a one nothing game? You want to be the guy that, that, that gets to save, or you want to be the guy that hits the walk off home run. The defenseman core for the, the Carolina, no, not the Carolina, but Florida, they, they were the one that stepped up and I, it was just, it was just amazing to watch, but my gosh, this team is just like, they'll bore you to death. And then it's like, we'll just take advantage of an opportunity. Oh, hi, Matthew Chuck, I'm at your doorstep. Would you like some late night pizza? Here it is. Game over.
2: I, I actually want to piggyback off that quick if I can, Anna. Yeah. Just, just you know, kind of, of touching on what Shukri mentioned. Um, you know, I, I thought Carolina was the much more dominant team in regulation, uh, especially in that third period. I, I know we all saw, like, Carolina absolutely peppered Sergey Bobrovsky. They outshot the Panthers, I think, like 14 yeah. to 2 in the third period. So the fact Mm -hmm. that Florida was able to escape the third period and escape that onslaught of pressure from Carolina was so big for them. And if you look at the shots on goal throughout the overtimes, aside from the first overtime, Florida was either even or outshot Carolina in all of the other three overtimes. So like as the game went on, it was weird that it ended up playing in Florida's favor because I think most people would tell you that Carolina is probably the most well-conditioned team in the NHL, the way they play hockey. Like they're very up and down 200 foot, like right on top of you, and for whatever reason, they kind of got worn out and Florida was able to prolong their um, what, what, their energy, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, yeah. But yeah, I thought that was super interesting, too. Like as the game went on, Florida was getting a little bit better and better in overtime, whereas in regulation, Carolina, I thought was the completely dominant team. I think
1: that's spot on. And the step. At some point, as we went into overtime, you could see the shots on goal. It wasn't even close. So even mm-hmm. if you – I was at uh, the L.A. Kings wrap party, so I kind of missed some of the game, and I came – so I think you guys were like Florida Panthers defense on their head, and, and Carolina Panthers kind of lost the game. Eh, eh, Florida won, but – we, the last time we had talked uh, was about two weeks ago, I believe. I was snowboarding in Mammoth that Friday. So you <laughs> saw me in a little ice chalet. <laughs> but um, which it is it is late May and I could still go snowboarding in California, which is kind of high. But uh, we've had a lot of teams, a slew of teams get eliminated, obviously, since then. So, what do you guys have? I'm going to leave this open ended for you guys. As far as all the teams that have been eliminated, where do they go? What can we expect next? And what was the biggest shock, I guess, to you guys as far as eliminated teams? Johnny, you you go first.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I got I got, I got one cooking already. <laughs> you got one. I mean, do you want to start? Because I need to yeah. get Yeah.
0: Honestly, <laughs> it, it's this. This may solicit eyebrows, but I'm actually going to go with the New Jersey Devils because. The Devils, in, in their series against Carolina, I thought, I thought that this was the ultimate kick in the balls to the, to the New Jersey Devils, and here's why. Number one, one of the great ironies of playoff hockey is that history can be rather unforgiving. Now, follow me for a moment. We're, I'm sure all of us are old enough to remember 2006, the 2006 hurricanes, one of the epic series of that of that playoff run for the Hurricanes was against Buffalo, and Buffalo for the, for the kids that are watching this, they used to be a really good team consistently for years in the Eastern Conference. This was back in during that, that heyday, and one of the games that went on, it went into overtime that Buffalo lost, that Lindy Ruff, who, who was the head coach of the Devils, lost to, who scored the, over, the overtime winning goal, Rob Bindemore. And then fast forward 17 years later, <laughs> in the game that in which that the series was clinched by the Carolina Hurricanes, obviously yes, but Foss scores the overtime winner for, for, the, for the um for the Carolina Hurricane. Guess who's behind the bench? Rob Bendemore. It just seems to me that, and this is no fault of Lindy Ruff. Lindy Ruff, I mean, he's one hell of a coach, and you, you gotta give credit to the New Jersey Devils. For hanging around as they tried to, but I thought Carolina's um, Carolina's four check and speed definitely became a bigger factor later in the series. And on top of that, I thought that I thought that Jordan Siegenthal. Oh man, I I, I fell for the guy. I genuinely like fell for the guy for the delay of game penalty that led to the um to to, to, the, to the winning goal. And I thought that. The devils, they're right there. But their biggest question for me moving forward is going to be in net. What do they do? Do they stick with McKenzie Blackwood, who's going to be a restricted free agent, or did it go to Akira Schmid, who who basically became a star for the Devils during the Rangers series? I think there's there's some question marks for the for the New Jersey Devils moving forward, but the the number one, because I think the Devils are absolutely right there. Number one question for me is in net. Who do they turn to as a starting goaltender moving forward?
2: I mean, I actually have heard some rumors that they're looking at Connor Hellebuck, So that could be a, a huge saving I grace. Saw I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. So, you know, that's something they could be going after. Um, you know, obviously, Akira Schmidt's still young, where, like, he could grow into his own. But, yeah, I don't know if Blackwater backcheck is really the answer for them to get over the hump, right? Like, you know, we kind of saw them crumble a little bit as yeah. the playoffs went on here. Uh, But, no, it's a good point, Shukri. Um, You know, I I think the Devils are definitely one that stands out. To me, my my first thought, I guess, went to the Edmonton Oilers. Um, You know, what the hell are they going to do? Like, they got the two best players in the world, and they can't seem to, you know, figure it out when when it matters most. So, um, you know, and that's a goaltending issue as well, right? Like, we saw Stuart Skinner have a pretty strong season. They signed Jack Campbell to be their number one guy, and he turns out to be the backup. Um, you know, I think Edmonton's another team that until they find a goalie, like they're just never going to be able to do it. And, uh, it's a shame too, because Connor McDavid's obviously, you know, the best player we've seen since Wayne Gretzky and, you know, he's 26 years old and hasn't been to a cup final, hasn't even won a conference final game. And I think, you know, this year I said it last week, I was like, if the Oilers don't get it done this year, I don't think McDavid's ever going to win there. Um, and that's just because the path seemed a little bit clearer this postseason. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I got to imagine, you know, he's obviously a pretty loyal guy, but I got to imagine if they continue to end up like this, he's going to want out at some point, I would think.
1: One out yeah. of Edmonton? Yeah, in, That's um... crazy. Um... <laughs> 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 Have you guys ever been to Edmonton?
2: No, don't plan on it. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> not really a fucking place to me.
1: There's no, no reason to <laughs> Wow. So many, so many places I'd
2: rather place go than Edmonton.
1: <laughs> Edmonton and Calgary are on my shit. So let me tell you. <laughs> TS wow. security and I do not get along. We can... <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so in an effort to keep this moving, <laughs> in an effort to keep this moving, it's just shit about So everyone's uh, We're just a lot of uh, obviously uh we'll get him 17 from northern vancouver uh actually a great place to go in canada uh currently playing the whl how nasty is this kid
2: i mean he's generational right like the numbers he put up are yeah. you know even as incredible as mcdavid's back when he was playing for the Erie Otters but then again like listen you know, we put so much hype around these kids and and maybe overhype them a little bit too much. Like, he's he's still going to be an 18-year-old kid playing in the NHL. Like, you know, we put a lot of hype on Jack Hughes. He came into the NHL and he struggled his first year. Like, you know, there are people saying Bedard's going to have 100 points. And like, listen, Bedard's going to be coming into a Chicago Blackhawks team that needs a ton of help. So if he doesn't have the right pieces around him, he probably won't even touch 70 points, let alone 100. So, you know, I, I think Bedard is one of those guys that can do and uh, create plays on his own he's also a bit of a playmaker but i think his biggest threat is his shot i think he'll score 20 goals probably minimum in the nhl in his rookie season but listen i, I like you know i understand that these kids are human and like you know it's probably not going to be as smooth sailing as some people might think it's a tough transition going from playing you know canadian junior hockey into playing in the nhl not that i played canadian junior hockey but um it's obviously a very big jump and i think he's going to be incredible but i i don't know if he'll be
0: as incredible as people think right off the jump. I think it's going to be a transition. I actually agree oh, because I think of. Oh, okay. Um, no, I, I was saying that I, I actually agree there because I think of recent, um, re- recent top prospects to, to been drafted um, into the NHL like all of them have had to go through a learning curve with the exception of Connor McDavid back in 2015 and, and, and Jack Eichel, who were basically both really good right off the bat. But I say this because I think Blackhawk fans and hockey fans have got to temper their expectations because I do not think he's going to come out and, and dominate right away. And, and as you mentioned it um, succinctly, Johnny, that this is a Blackhawk team that even if even w- when they do draft, Conor Medard there's so many holes on this roster that it's just hard for me to to envision him saying let's say he scores 90 points in his his rookie season I'm like there's no way I don't I don't see how but to even take it a step further I think even even uh, when, when Conor Medard gets drafted and I do think that he's a generational talent and so forth this is this is the type of guy in which that is going to yes he's going to he's going to like attract more um butts in the seats at the United Center absolutely but I do think that you are going to need to supplement him with talent because if you think back to when the when the Blackhawks drafted both Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane back in the mid mid-2000, two thousand mid two thousands that this was a team that also had pieces surrounding those two superstars. And I think that the Blackhawks are keenly aware that, hey, Connor Bedard alone is not going to be the answer for the turnaround in Chicago. We need to add pieces around him, like talented pieces that's going to, you know, at least help the Blackhawks return back to being um, playoff contenders again.
1: Right on. In an effort to keep things moving, so we could talk about this all day, um, Tonight, Western Conference Finals kickoff stars Golden Knights. What can we expect, you guys?
2: I mean, this is going to be chaotic. Uh, I'm really excited for this series. I- I've been loving watching this Dallas team play. I mean, they've got so much skill throughout their roster. Like it's been a coming out season for Rupe Hints. Joe Pavelski is obviously like Captain America right now. I think everyone wants to see yeah. Joe Pavelski get his Stanley Cup um you know tyler sagan and jamie ben have turned back the clock jason robertson's been a superstar this season wyatt johnson's been a young stud uh you know jay gottinger has been pretty incredible as well this season and uh you know i, I think vegas you know on, on their side and to their point they've they've done a great job at having that next man up mentality they've had a lot of injuries this season and you know, especially in goaltending, Eden Hill's done a great job since stepping in in that Edmonton series, but I don't know how sustainable his play can be. Jack Eichel's been unbelievable to watch, and it's great to see him after coming back from all that adversity with the surgeries that he went through. Um, and obviously, this being his first playoff, like I think there's two great storylines. And, uh, you know, I think Vegas being in their fourth conference final in six seasons in the NHL is just absolutely incredible. I mean, I have to imagine Toronto Maple Leafs fans hate them. Uh, but, Yeah, I think this series is going to be a ton of offense, even though, you know, Ottinger is a really strong goaltender, but he hasn't been as consistent as I think he'd like. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited. I think Dallas takes this one ultimately in six games. But either way, I think both teams, whichever team comes out, is going to be really fun to watch in the final.
0: I think Dallas in itself has got – there's something about this Dallas team in which that – and I alluded to it during the previous round that – it just seems like the deeper that Dallas goes into a series, the more better that they get. And this Dallas Vegas um, series, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, be- because what well, I look at, I look at it from the, from the co- head coaching standpoint first and foremost, Peter DeBoer and, and Bruce Cassidy. Who I'm low key wanting to see him back in the Santa Finals because I'm petty as hell. And let's let's be honest, Bruce Cassidy being in the Western Conference Finals. Um, with Vegas in his first year after being fired by the Boston Bruins. I don't think I could be, sh- I could say that I'm shocked. I don't think any Bruins fan or any hockey fan can say that they're shocked knowing Bruce Cassidy's pedigree. But what, but what I can say is that what you see in Bruce Cassidy, what he's doing with Vegas. Now he was already doing in Boston, but he happens to have what I think is an even better equipped playoff type of roster where where like, defensively you don't see this team make too many mistakes you see that this is a team that that that's that's very balanced up in their their, their lineup and you look at dallas i mean my goodness like you talk about what jake ottinger has been um, has been able to do um especially in, in pivotal moments um in this playoff for the stars and then you also look at what um, like, like what Joe Pavelski has been able to do, especially an, an, an aging player, but, but don't tell that to him. Like he's playing as if he's still 25, 20, 26, years old. And I, well, one thing I am looking at and I'm really most excited to see from, uh, in, in this series is, 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 R- is R- Rompe Hints, And, but as well as Tyler Sagan, because I just have this funny feeling that Tyler Sagan is going to have an even bigger impact in this series for the Dallas Stars, and new chances to advance to the Stanley Cup finals.
1: Hey, I like it. Uh, one last question to wrap things up Do you want Matthew Chuck on your team? There's a <laughs> at the end of every single episode now, just because.
2: <laughs> you know my answer.
1: <laughs> great.
0: Yes. What a capital Y <laughs> What a capital Y <laughs> I, I really believe you heard what I <laughs> said It's <laughs> the I was like okay
1: <laughs> wait, wait. okay that's it for last students but thank you so much for joining us for the rights. I'm Anna Connolly uh, enjoy the rest of the and we'll talk to you next week